This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. What is happening, you guys? Welcome back to the Let's Go Win Podcast. I'm extremely excited about today's episode because this young lady is bringing a lot of cool knowledge and stuff I'm passionate about. Carrie Leaf is currently a practicing psychotherapist, mindset coach, and hypnotherapist. Carrie has worked in the field of psychology in a wide variety of settings, which include hospitals, community mental health, youth residential homes, substance abuse, military base, college, university, and private practice. She has worked with a wide variety of clients from all ages and around many different identified problems. She has worked with individuals, couples, families, and groups. Carrie, it sounds like you have been working hard for sure. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Excellent. I appreciate it. And as I told you off air, I am obsessed with talking about mindset. And I think mental health is such an important subject to talk about. But talk to me about how you even got into this industry. What was it that really drew you into the world of psychology and and all the things that you're doing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's been a long time coming. Um, my dad was a high school guidance counselor and, and taught some psychology courses at the community college in our hometown. So um, just growing up with my dad talking about it and, and kind of raising us with the lingo. Um, and then I, and was it middle school? No middle school, high school, high school, my parents decided that I needed to go to my own therapy. (laughs) Um, I was pretty resistant, but that also then kind of after I I got that experience and took what I did from it and and didn't take what I didn't from it because of my age, but um, then that started me going more towards, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. Um, and, and just looking at my friendships and my relationships in life and feeling that, you know, there's, they're so important. And then not only my friendships and my relationships with other people, but also then my relationship with myself and how I was or wasn't treating myself well. And so all of those experiences and those thoughts processes led me to going into marriage and family therapy for my master's. So you said the word, and I, I it's it's common when it comes to therapy, therapists, and that's resistance. Why is there such a, I don't know if it's a stigma, it certainly exists where people resist the thought or somehow I think people think it's a weakness for some reason, and I don't understand it because I'm very pro-therapy, uh, but it, it exists in this world. Why is that so prevalent? Yeah, you know, I think obviously, however, our society has portrayed it. And I think that is as a weakness, like that therapy equals crazy or broken or something's wrong, you know, that you're only going to therapy if like, oh, there's something severe, there's a big problem there, you know, so there's that stigma in our society. So we've got to work on looking at therapy as more of like going into like your, your, like we do like a doctor's appointment, like a regular checkup, it's, it's maintenance, you know, instead of meaning there's a problem, it's maintenance. And if we look at it that way, you know, hopefully there's two totally different feelings around it. But I also think people avoid therapy because it, 
it's hard, <laughs> you know, and it's scary. And a lot of times I hear, oh, I don't, I don't really want to go there. I don't know what I'm going to open up, you know? Um, and there, it's hard to look at ourselves. It's hard to face the parts of ourselves that we don't like. It's hard to have those honest and uncomfortable moments and, and to do that with somebody else, you know? Um, so I think a lot of people are afraid or avoid and then for, you know, their own reasons and the societal message as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, what you said about what am I going to open up? So instead, we just want to keep that stuff way down there. So it's going to just absolutely explode into something that is not really well controlled. So that's one thing that I thought was interesting. The other thing that I heard in that is you're saying, look, let's not wait until we have a broken arm to go see the doctor or a broken head. This is sounds like you are saying we should be seeing somebody anyway, whether we have challenges or not. Is that the message that I should kind of take away from what you, you said? Yes, a hundred percent. I really like to take a holistic approach and a preventative approach. We, we want to build the skills and the healthy foundation because life is going to throw things at us constantly. And we have absolutely zero control over that, but the better mental health and wellness foundation that we have and, and the better self-care routines and how well we maintain our mind, body, and spirit, then the better ability we have to cope and handle life's stressors and the things it throws at us. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, the problems that happen in our life. Cause we're going to have them. They're coming. We're going to have problems. It's how do we problem solve? How do we look at this? What skills do we have to get through these problems? So let's talk about the better self-care routine. It sounds like, let's just give somebody that's listening and they're like, ah, I don't do therapy. I, I don't have it. I don't need, I, there's no need at this point. But to your point, we are all going to have problems. Like it, adversity is going to strike. That is life. And if you don't think that just you're a fool. So uh, <laughs> talk to me about the better self-care routine, some real basics that you could just say, you know, I wish everyone would do this. Yes. I start this conversation in session number one with all my clients. Doesn't matter what you're coming for. We're talking about this. And I really like to start with the body um, because the body, the mind, that mind body connection is so strong and so crucial, but in our society, we separate, we separate them and we look at them as two different things and issues, but we can have so many mental health symptoms that are actually stem from things that are going on in our body, you know, inflammation, we're not getting enough sleep, things like that. So I want to know what we're really truly working with if we're, if we're working on, you know, therapy or, or mindset coaching or something. So I need the, the physical body to be operating and functioning its best so that we can rule that out, that we're not having anxiety symptoms or depression symptoms because somebody's eating fast food every day, or they have a food sensitivity to something that is creating brain fog and, and that's depressing them. Um, so my basics are get seven to nine hours of sleep, get a circadian rhythm, you know, like make sure that you're, you're getting about the same amount and the same times each day and night and, um, eat well, eat healthy foods and get that body moving. Um, I I'm really big believer that it's not a one size fits all for these things. Certain people can eat certain foods that benefit them better than others that, you know, exercise, 
Um, some people can exercise more intense or less intense, longer, you know, duration. Like it, it doesn't have to be this, this one size fits all box that you have to check, but you, it's a journey for figuring out what works for your body. So I like, so my basics are, you know, taking care of the body, how you're eating, how you're sleeping, are you moving the body? Um, and then there's like, you know, you can expand from there, but let's just start there. Cause that's, that's, a, that's a lot to change if you got some work to do there anyway. So it's a good first step. Is that just let's get some, some of the positive hormones moving so that we can start to function? Is that the overall idea? Because again, I, I don't necessarily understand depression because I don't really have it. I think I've felt it occasionally, but I, my understanding is when they, when people have that, they don't want to move. They don't want to get but yet we know so many studies have said, look, when you move, positive endorphins start to fire and so many positive things happen. What would be that suggestion to somebody that's like, you know what, dude, I just don't feel like moving. So yeah, sounds ideal, but I don't want to leave the bed, the couch, whatever the area that they're, they're, they're stuck in. Yes. And, and that might be that we have to reroute and look at something else. And maybe we look at the food or maybe we look at coping skills, but if it's, if it's, we really got to get that body moving, then, you know, people feel stuck, whether it's in, in the fact that they can't get out of bed and can't get exercising or get moving, but people feel stuck in all kinds of ways. And anytime that you're stuck, then my go-to is we've really got to break it down because often we're stuck because we're overwhelmed. And so fight, flight, or freeze, you know, or fawn and people are freezing and they're shutting down. And so if, if we can break down that overwhelm, take little baby steps, celebrate the tiny little wins, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't go run for an hour, which I never run for an hour. My body, I just can't do it. I'm not built that way, but maybe you didn't go run for an hour, but maybe you walked around the block, you know, or maybe the win is that you actually did get out of bed today and you showered. We're going to take that as a huge win. And then maybe tomorrow you get out of bed and you shower and you walk to the mailbox, you know, like it, it really, we got, we're going to meet you where you're at and we're going to celebrate every tiny win because every tiny win, you know, if you do a tiny win each day, things are going to look quite different in a month and drastically different in six months. Yeah. Now, not to make this about me because it's not, but I, I lost my dad about two weeks ago. And mm. here's the one that literally is a routine guy. I love to read. I do my routine, but I'm going kind of through this to a degree where it's like normally just fired up to go to the gym. And man, I'm dragging my ass off the bed to like do, which is so uncommon for me. But I, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm actually putting this kind of into play. And I, I'm saying this for everyone to hear, because if you know me, I'm doing my routine. I'm hopping out of bed. I'm doing like, I don't, it's second nature, but it's not that way right now. And yeah. it literally like I'm having to check mark things off to do it. Is that a common feel when somebody has kind of gone through, a, you know, a, not a trauma, but a loss is that, you know what, maybe the food that did taste great doesn't taste so good right now, or the workout that I loved, man, it's just not, I'm not feeling it, but maybe that will come back in time. Is that, is that common? I'm just, I'm curious. And maybe that's a selfish question, but I'm just curious. 
No, very common. I'm sorry to hear about your dad. It's very common. Um, You know, life throws us off all the time, whether it is, you know, right now you're smack dab in the middle of grief and loss process. That's, that's a journey you're going through, you know, the five different stages and those jump back and forth all over the place. It's not linear and you can feel kind of like, really out of sorts because, you know, that can be powerful and and it it hits you at different times in different ways. But if we bring it back to the mindset, life can throw us off just because like, let's say I have a cold this week and I fall out of my routine. I don't have the energy to go to the gym. And the, the difference is, you know, when we get thrown off, if we get thrown off track or our routine for life circumstantial reasons, which is always going to happen, the mindset piece is key here because if I get thrown off and then I beat myself up, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do it? What's going on? I'm sending myself down into a shame spiral and I'm going to go deeper and get further stuck and it's going to be harder to pull out. Whereas if, and, and, and that's rigid thinking. And if I have some flexibility to my thinking that like, oh, got thrown off this week. Well, that's too bad, you know, but I'll just ease back into it tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's a new day. This is a new week. It might not be, let's say I work out five days a week generally, um, but I had a rough week where I didn't go at all. Okay. Maybe my body really needed that rest and recovery, that reset. We do want to listen to our body when our, our mind and our body need a break and rest. And then we want to baby step it and ease back into it. It might not be the healthiest thing to jump back in and do five days a week at the gym again. Maybe I'm, I'm happy that I did two this week and next week might be two and, and, and or three and, you know, just build back up. Right. And so that flexibility and our thinking and that grace and, and, and that kindness to ourselves. give yourself grace, be kind to yourself and listen to that intuition. Do I need a break? Do I need peace and quiet? Do I need to be still? Do I need rest or am I making excuses? Right? So have those conversations with yourself and, but be kind along the way. Yeah. That's one of my favorite words I've adopted since the pandemic is grace because it's the one thing I might ask humanity is like, hey, give your neighbors some grace. We all went through something that was totally foreign to us and yeah. all react differently. So a 100%, that is just, I use that word continuously is grace. Uh, perspective and understanding are really the three that really come to mind. You set the five stages of grief. Can you go through those real quick. And we won't spend the entire show on grief. I promise. Yeah. Curious because I've heard various, you know, takes on this. What are they? So someone does get presented with a challenge, a, a loss. We're all going to experience it at one time. What are those (laughs) five stages of grief? Yes. So this, the, the uh, grief and loss process isn't necessarily a specialization of mine. So it's not something that, you know, um, I necessarily work with all of the time, but let me see if I can get these right. We got anger, denial, bartering, depression, and acceptance. And like I said, those aren't linear. You can jump in back and be back and forth in between those, you know, day to day, week to week as you process through. Um, And it can be really confusing. And it does not have to be 
like a, a loss, like, you know, somebody passed, it can also be, I lost a job. I lost a friend. You know, we broke up, my boyfriend or girlfriend broke up. Like, you know, we, we can go through grief and loss loss process for a lot of different things in life. But, um, like you said, we all go through that process in completely different ways too. That looks, that looks very different for everybody. Yeah. And we lose things all the time, right? Relationship to, you know, I mean, it's not the major losses. It's, it's a loss of a, of a friend of, of, you know, someone that you're no longer close to that's a loss, but I I'm really curious because you have the word holistic health that you mentioned before. And then we have hypnotherapists. I know very little about this other than my perception. And I'm sure some of that's incorrect. So talk to me about hypnotherapy and how that is all part of this holistic process. Yeah. So hypnotherapy for me is kind of, you know, this is going to, you could talk to another hypnotherapist and and you're going to get a totally different approach, but because of my training, my background, hypnotherapy to me is kind of like a, it's a booster. It's a, it's um, just an additional tool to integrate into my practice and, and for my clients. Um, I like to use it as a booster with EMDR therapy. That's kind of my bread and butter. That's what I center around. Um, but they're, they're not that far off in theory from each other. So they're both working to, dive into that subconscious mind and train of thought. And, um, and so, but the difference is, in my opinion, EMDR is much more thorough and goes all the way around, you know, 360 goes, you know, back and in, in through childhood reprocessing negative belief systems that are in the subconscious thought. But my experience, and, and again, this is just my training. There's probably other, um, hypnotherapy that can, can do a whole lot of different things than I'm able to, but my experience with, um, hypnotherapy is more putting in sig- positive suggestions for the here and the now and moving forward, you know, goal oriented, which can, um, you know, I've seen great success with helping people quit smoking or get motivated to go work out and lose weight, um, eat healthy, changing some habits, Um, so I really use it in addition to EMDR a lot of times, but again, it's meeting people where they're at. And if that's where they're at, we jump in, you know, to the hypnotherapy, but, um, I really like to stress the EMDR therapy. Talk to us about what that is because, uh, the layman uh, or me, the, the, the knucklehead host, I don't know what EMDR is. So what does that stand for? That's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So there's a mouthful right there. But um, that comes from like when, when you're sleeping and you're in that subconscious state of mind, you, your, your eyes, if you've ever seen, if you've ever watched somebody sleep, which is kind of creepy, I know, but like their eyes are closed, but you can see their eyeballs moving back and forth. Right. So we're kind of simulating that bilateral stimulation. And the, the idea is we're going to be able to bypass that, that mental chatter in our brain that we're aware of. We're going to be able to bypass that kind of get in the zone to dip deeper down to those subconscious train of thoughts, which is actually what drives, you know, most of our, our behavior day to day, let's say 90%, don't quote me on that, but let's say, you know, like um, the subconscious, what we do day to day is mostly driven by those subconscious thoughts. So we want to dip down into those thoughts and see what's going on in our operating system, what's driving me, you know, um, and then be able to, 
identify it and reprocess them to healthier belief systems. And that's what EMDR can do. And it can go back into past experiences in your life and, and, and basically detach associations that we have written the narrative we've written and associated certain feelings and beliefs about ourselves because of life experiences that we've been through. And it can rewire them, rewrite the narrative into a healthier um, mindset and a healthier outlook on the situation. It's not like we're erasing the memory or, or you know, the, the, the event happened. We're just rewriting our association or how we view it. And so we'll have a different belief system about it and ourselves when we do that. Fascinating because you talked about seven to nine hours of sleep earlier. And now we're talking about what I heard rapid eye movement. So I'm going to REM sleep hypnosis somehow we're able or you're able to access the subconscious by by getting the mind to the, the frontal mind to maybe shut down to a degree I, I mean again I'm trying to simplify so I can understand it but is that it, there's so much that's related to sleeping or that's how I'm hearing it and how you're able to get to the subconscious that's fascinating Yes. I mean, yeah, you, you put it in good words there. I, I like to like one comparison I'll make, I pitched um, softball in high school, middle school, I, I pitched and I remember one of my best games ever was when I was like, you know, as they say in the zone, that feeling like, um, all I saw was that catcher's mitt. That is all I saw. I did not see the crowd. I had nothing else on my mind. Um, it, it, I was, I was just in the zone, all the, the background and all the chatter was just, it was disappeared. It was gone. Um, so I was able to go off that muscle memory and just go without the distractions of, Oh, what are people thinking? How am I doing? Oh, I messed up, you know, shutting down that chatter that we just have going on that self-talk that's going on all of the time and getting in the zone. And so, yes, like long story short, yes, that's, <laughs> you put it in a good way. <laughs> and when you say zone, I, I equate that to maybe that's the state of flow, which my understanding, yeah. that's the highest level a human being can perform in is when they hit this flow state how do we achieve that more frequently? Because I think everybody wants to, right? Like when you're pitching that game, you're like, damn, how can I do this again and again and again? But it, it doesn't always come that way. It, how, is there science behind that that helps us to get into these states of flow or, or zones in an easier way? You know, I don't think, I don't know that I can speak the best on the science per se, but what I do know and what I've seen through my own practice and, and through working with people is that mind-body connection. And when we can get more in tune with that and, and, and get more in tune with listening to our body and knowing how we feel, where our feelings show up in our body, um, then there's, there's, we have all the answers there. You know, we store our thoughts and feelings and our trauma and our experiences in our body, unless we heal, unless we identify, unless we face it and unless we release it. So 
again, that's coming back to that holistic health. If you try to only work on your brain and your mind and your emotional state and you exclude your body, it, we're not going to get the full potential, the full healing, the full recovery um, and, and the other way around too. And so there's lots of somatic work, you know, breath work, yoga, um, even just walking mindfulness, you know, mindful walking. Uh, some people will talk about cold plunging. Um, saunas, you know, there's lots of things to work on getting you into your body. It's fascinating. I'll walk, I'll walk people through like just a, a 60 second exercise. Well, it ends up about being a couple minutes. Cause I'll walk them through it a couple of times where I just really want them to just think of whatever might be troubling them. But I bring that to mind, but then I want you to explore what happens in your body. Where do you feel the, the physical tension or any sensations in your body when you're thinking about that problem? Where does it show up? And most people don't know because they jump out of it. As soon as we have discomfort, you know, that like, like the icky feeling in our stomach, or it shows up for everyone different. Like we jump out of it. We distract we avoid, we numb with drugs and alcohol, TV, spending money, sex, whatever it might be. We don't like to be uncomfortable. Who, I mean, who sits here and says, I love to be uncomfortable, you know? So we jump out of it. So it takes practice to allow yourself to feel and get that mind-body connection, feel emotionally and feel physically and sit in discomfort. And then you realize if I sit in discomfort for 60 seconds, one, I didn't die. It didn't kill me. I'm going to be okay. And then the next thing we realize is like, wow, that really wasn't as bad or big of an issue as I made it in my brain. The story that I wrote, I can, I can breathe through this. I can feel through this and then we can get on the other side of it. But if we don't sit in it and we don't feel it physically and emotionally, we avoid it, we shove it down, we suppress it, and it comes back with a vengeance. It grows bigger and stronger. And, and that's when we have anxiety that becomes, you know, turns into panic attacks or depression that we can't get out of bed, you know? So it, it's a, it's a connecting that mind and body and making sure we're, we're looking at all areas. That's a really simplistic way to put it. I love it though, because it does tell us how intuitive our bodies really are. Like, I think of my wife right now. She has the worst headache, but it's because she's super stressed and her neck is super tight and she knows that and she's working on it, but it's so interesting. I already know the title of this. It's going to be sitting in discomfort because I think it's such a profound idea. Um, you have uh, something called therapize, therapize <laughs> very well, yourself book. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So therapize yourself, not a real word. So, you know, you stumbled over it because it's, it's not a thing, but, but um, therapize yourself is really just my approach. And, you know, I've got over a decade uh, in the field and working with people. So it's what I have found myself repeating over and over with everyone that I work with, no matter what they're coming to me for. So this, this, the book is really for anybody and everybody, whether you've done therapy or coaching before, whether you're curious about the process, whether you just want to start working on yourself, do a little bit self-help, 
Um, or maybe you've done tons of healing and, but it's been a while. So it's kind of a self, a, a re self-assessment. Where am I at in my life right now? Um, and so it's just kind of my step-by-step process that I will walk anyone and everyone through when you walk through my door or we meet virtually, whatever it may be. Um, here's what it's going to look like. Here's why, here's the questions I ask. This is, this is the feel and where, where we're going to go. So we can kind of demystify some of that and take away some of the fear of facing ourselves and working on ourselves. And then the reasons behind why I might ask a zillion questions and why I want to know X, Y, and Z about you and how they, you know, connecting those dots. So it's really my step-by-step approach of how we're going to work on your problem, how we're going to heal, how we're going to move forward. Well, because we've never arrived, right? Like this is an ever-evolving process. We aren't stagnant beings. Therefore, I imagine checking in. I don't know how frequently you do this, but I'm guessing this is something you practice yourself on a maybe daily, weekly, monthly basis. And i that's the thing I, I, I hope people hear from this. You never arrive. It's not like, right. okay, healthy and I'm good. <laughs> Not the way it works. You have it's a constant process. So is that fair that it's something that is a daily or how frequently are you checking in on yourself to, to know where you're at? Yeah, I, that's a good question because it really, really varies. Um, I have been on a journey in a lot of different ways to try to get as many systems in my life as I can in place, you know, to simplify my day-to-day, my life, my routines, my self-care habits, but life is life and that changes, right? I have four-year-old twin boys. So the routines that I could do before my boys, I had a lot more time and energy, you know, to do some self-care things and it's different now. And that's, and it's wonderful. I mean, the, my boys are amazing. It means, it means shifting my routines and, and my systems to work for the whole family with my new schedule, my new lifestyle. But you're right in the sense of like, I check in regularly, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly in general, and kind of scan each environment, mind, body, spirit, because there's no way that I can be on top of all of them a hundred percent every day, all the time. Something is going to slip. Something is going to be lacking. So, um, you know, I did not get back into the gym and to, into a, a regular workout routine after my having my kids until they were three years old, you know, and I, and I floundered and I struggled of I'll get up earlier or I'll do it in the evening or I'll do it on my lunch break. And I tried all the things and this journey and this process was, was three years of, you know, before I got a regular consistent routine that worked for me again after having kids. Um, and so it is, like you said, we're never there. It's, it's a journey. So, you know, the next phase in my life will probably be when they have a zillion sports and after curriculars, then when do I do my things, you know? Um, So it's constant, but it's just the understanding that I'll never be able to do it all perfectly, but to be aware of where somewhere I might be slipping and, and where I might be lacking so that I can kind of try to boost that area up before it slips too far to create a major problem in my life. Yeah. And I, it's one of the things I coach on as well as mind, body, I say soul spirit, I, you know, kind of interchangeable in Lisa, my, yeah. um, talk to me about the spirit side of things. You know, everybody is different in that regard. Everybody is their bucket in a different way. 
Do you have your own process that you use for that? Do you coach in specific areas or is that just kind of one of those, hey, we need to check in spiritually to make sure that we are filling that bucket. I'm just curious because I I talk so much about meditation. It's a big part for me on a daily basis, but I know everybody's quite different. Some is going to church, some is hiking a mountain. What what is kind of your thought behind taking care of the, the spirit side of things? Yes, I think it sounds like I'm probably very much in line with where you go with it. Um, I will let my clients know that, that that's kind of a big, vague, like I also see spirit, soul, um, whatever interchangeable, whatever word you want to use. And to me, you know, that can mean um, passion, purpose, faith, religion, you know, who am I? What, what? brings joy it's really this big bucket of like the the what is my belief system what do i stand for morals and values you know and and what helps how do i view the world what's my my world view and what helps me sleep at night so that's a really big big area and i let clients know to each their own but i certainly want them to know or at least be on the journey of these questions and in these areas. Cause I don't care what you believe in, you know, you could, you could believe in and pray to your morning cup of coffee. Doesn't matter to me, but you got to know what it is so that we can sleep better at night. You know, when, when I know who I am, what I stand for, my morals, my values, my beliefs, then I have some more peace of mind and security um, if I'm solid in it. And, you know, trust me, you know, it's not like you figure it out and you're solid in it 24 seven again, right? It's a journey. I remember being in my twenties in New York city and and jumping to a different church about every weekend for four years and, (laughs) and wondering, you know, where's my space? What do I believe in? What feels right? What fits right? Um, You know, and kind of going on that spirituality or, a religious journey um, to figure out what made sense to me and in, in my world. And um, so it is a process. And then you, you might have it down and, and life throws you something where it challenges it and makes you question things, but just don't leave it out. Don't ignore it. Don't, don't think it's not important. Well, and that's kind of the theme I've heard so far is look to each their own. However, finding a routine making sure you're checking in in these three areas on a daily basis. That's kind of what I'm really hearing is like, look, I don't care how you do it. Yeah. Care of your mind. However that is for me, it's reading 10 pages a day and doing my brain. <laughs> Someone else is completely different, but finding that routine. Is that, is that kind of the basis of a lot of your coaching is just making sure, look, your routine may be different than it was last year. And it probably will be from next year but just make sure you're taken care of. Is that, is that fair? Yes, that's fair. And, and, but also with that, I still that idea of grace, you know, and kindness to yourself because, you know, I've got a full-time job. I've got twin boys, you know, husband, there's a busy life. And if I, you know, at the end of the night, I'm tired and maybe I only get five minutes of some self-care in, five minutes is better than none. You know, we're not going to, I, we're not always going to be able to spend 
an hour on my mental health and an hour on my physical health and an hour on my spirituality, three hours a day, you know, if you have that time, that's incredible, you know, but a lot of people don't. So again, having that flexibility and thinking and that kindness and that grace that something is better than nothing. Or if you don't get to it that day, there's tomorrow, you know, um, sometimes one of my coping skills, especially in Iowa in the cold winter is just a hot bath. That's it. That's me time. That's peaceful. That's self-care. That's meditative. That's quiet, you know? Um, so maybe it's just a 20 minute hot bath or, you know, a 15 minute yoga, um, online, you know, the, the little things really, really add up. So have flexibility, but yes, don't ignore them. So I, I just kind of want to give you open forum on whether it's mental health, anything we didn't talk about that you're like, Jay, I, I need to say this before we start to wrap up. Like this is, this is your opportunity. Just say whatever's on your mind. And you're like, man, let's, we got to talk about this. Is there anything top of mind that you're just like, I got to say this before we start to end the show. We covered a lot in that holistic approach is very important to me. But other than that, I just really want to empower people to take charge of their mental health, of their life, of their well-being, and just start somewhere, you know, that those baby steps, they really do add up. Um, you're the only one that has your answers. You're the only one that knows what's best for you. So, you know, empowering you to look within and take those baby steps to figure out who am I and, you know, how do I walk and show up in my authenticity? And I think we're the happiest when we're genuine and authentic, but it doesn't even, it, it's not so easy to know what that looks like or what that feels like all the time. That's a journey. So just take the baby steps to empower yourself to be authentic and happy. I mean, look, it's one of the most powerful words in English is empowering yourself I hope everyone heard her loud and clear on this. Carrie, if, if they wanted to connect with you to therapize your <laughs> or just where's the best place to reach you? Yeah, probably um, my website or my Instagram. Um, the website is carryleaf.com and the Instagram is at carryleafcoaching. No, coaching with Carrie. I don't know. I don't even know what my Instagram is. <laughs> <laughs> but carryleaf.com that I, that one I know if you don't know go to let's go win we will connect you with Carrie and make sure you get connected with her Carrie you're awesome I appreciate what you're doing I think it's so important that we continue to drive home the importance of mental health mindset and uh it's you take such a cool unique laid back yet very effective approach and I, I just so appreciate it Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I could talk about this stuff all day. So it's an honor. Well, you guys, I hope you go check it out. I, I didn't know how to say therapize. Now I do. <laughs> and, you know, obviously you can hear she talks about giving yourself some grace, giving yourself that flexibility. At no point did I feel like I'm being directed. She's really urging and empowering you. I love that word to do it. So go check Carrie out. I think she's got a lot to offer all of us. And in the meantime, remember, your mindset matters. We'll talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. That helps us build this community, and that is what we are all about. 
building this community as big as we can, helping as many people as we can, and deliver as much value as possible. Be sure to head over to letsgowinpodcast.com for information on my coaching courses and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Let's go win and transcend in life. This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. 